Well, it's great to be up here with you all. I, uh, I of course, send greetings from the Reformed Baptist Church of Riverside. I think you guys know Pastor Robert Elliott, Pastor Troy Lamberth. He's, they've been up here several times. And I want to apologize uh, for not having visited you in the past. I've been at Reformed Baptist Church down in Riverside since 2006, and I've never been up here to, to see you guys. I've been delighted to get to know just a few of you so far, and you have a very friendly church, a warm church. And it's just, it's just awesome, isn't it, to be able to go to a place you haven't been before and have immediate koinonia with uh, people that know the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's automatically a, a same level kind of fellowship there that's wonderful that you can only have with the body of Christ. Amen. And uh, praise the Lord for that. Um, if you turn with me to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 15. Maybe some of you are like me, how I used to be when I was first a Christian. I didn't really like the book of Proverbs too much. I kind of thought it was, you know, it wasn't Paul, it wasn't Jesus, but it is Jesus, isn't it? Um, Proverbs chapter 15, we're just going to be reading verse 3, and uh, a very interesting verse. And the Holy Spirit writes this in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. The eyes of Jehovah are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Let me pray once more with you. Father, we do ask that you be with us. We ask that you send your spirit to fill us with yourself. Give us ears to hear what you would say. Give the preacher help and aid to preach your word. May Jesus Christ, by his spirit, be the preacher here this morning, and may we have ears to worship you as we meditate on your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Well, perhaps uh, some of you, I'm sure you've heard of stories that took place during the days of sailing 150, 250 years ago. Back in the old days, there were fishing villages or whaling towns or just towns where the main trade was in sailing. And if you lived in the town, you would spend a good deal of your year out at sea. And in those days, the men who went out to sea left their wives at home to tend to the house and the family, maybe to tend to the family business or what have you. But in some of these villages of old, the houses by the seashore would have balconies on them. You've heard of this, right? And the stories say that many times the wives would stand out on the balconies or stand out by the shore when they knew the days had come upon them when their husbands should be, should be returning from sea sometime soon. And they would stand out there for part of the day gazing intently out at the sea's horizon. Looking intensely out at sea to see if they could see the mast of their husband's ship coming up on the circle of the horizon. And the women watched with eagerness. They watched with intensity. They wanted to see if indeed their husband's ships had survived the storms at sea and that their beloved were coming home. They didn't just casually glance up and look out. They peered out, shielding their eyes from the sun with their hands, staring out, looking out far ahead, reaching 
with their hearts out to the sea, seeking and praying that their loved one would return from the ocean voyage. And this intensity of gaze is exactly the kind of thing we see attributed to Jehovah God in our text here in Proverbs. The eyes of Jehovah are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. It is the Hebrew word which is translated in my New King James Version as watch that conveys this intensity of gaze we were just illustrating. The Hebrew word for watch is the word sofoth. The root of it means to keep guard, to watch attentively. And it conveys the idea of a lookout point, according to the New International Dictionary of Old Testament Theology and Exegesis. Psalm 66, verse 7 says, God's eyes observe the nations. It's the same Hebrew word, root for the word observe there in Psalm 66, 7 is what we see for the word watch in our text. The intensity with which Eli, remember the story, looked down the road for the return of the Ark of the Covenant in 1 Samuel 4.13 is again this same Hebrew root word. Looking out, peering intently out into the distance. And yet it is also conveyed in the prophet Micah as he looks to the Lord, waiting for the God of his salvation in Micah 7.7. Here in our text in Proverbs, it is the Lord himself who is looking with intensity. He is watching over the wicked and the righteous, both. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. They are in every place, not just glazing over and passing by in casual observation. His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, the chronicler tells us in 2 Chronicles 16.9. This is actually awe-inspiring, brothers and sisters. It should invoke the fear of God in both the righteous and the wicked. Because nothing, nothing escapes the eye of God. Nothing. He not only sees, but his eyes pierce through all deception and manipulation of heart. His eyes see down to the bare bones of utter truth. He sees into every circumstance happening in all points, in every historical event, and into the hearts and minds of every living soul at all times, in every place and circumstance. He is looking out with intensity beyond our comprehension. And his mind is simultaneously comprehending everything occurring in the thoughts and actions of every creature and the circumstances of every piece of matter in the entire universe with a burning intensity that would utterly consume us in our sinfulness and our creatureliness were we to meet his gaze full face with our infinite, with our finite, puny viewpoints. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 6, we read of the Lamb having seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth, meaning that the Spirit of God penetrates every nook and cranny of creation with his mind's eye. 
burning down all shade, all deception, all manipulation, every device of the devil and his children, every perplexity of the struggling nations, every conspiracy, every plan formulating in man's thoughts. His eyes sift through everything and he sees everything according to the truth of his infinite holiness and his pure divine attribute of omniscience. It's an amazing God we worship. Again, the idea conveyed in our word, in our text for watch is a gazing out from a lookout point. In many of the mountain areas around Southern California, I would still consider this as Southern California, there are lookout towers. And men sit up there gazing across the forests of the mountains, seeking out any evidence of a fire that may have suddenly started. And once they see smoke, they alert the fire teams with the exact location. If they're not watching, what's going to happen? A fire can consume the mountainside and get out of control very quickly. Well, this is what our text is saying. The eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. It's not that God has to search and overturn rocks and look under them, so to speak. God doesn't have to do any detective work, is what we're saying. He already knows everything that will ever happen because he has decreed whatsoever comes to pass, as our confession of faith states. Nothing catches God by surprise. Nothing. He has decreed all of history before the foundation of the world. But the idea conveyed here in Proverbs 15.3 is anthropomorphic. You've probably heard that term before. It's using human language, human illustration to declare a reality about God's attributes and about God's ways in a way we can understand. God is a spirit. He has no eyes. And yet in our humanness, we need to hear the Bible tell us that his eyes are in every place. They are searching to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he's keeping watch on the nations. We need to read of how of God described in that kind of language so we can better comprehend it, better understand who he is, how powerful he is, and how in control he is, and how faithful he is, and how good he is. We'll never be able to gaze upon the utter fullness of God for all eternity because we're finite creatures who would be consumed if we gazed upon his complete fullness. God is infinite. His attributes are beyond our ability to fully grasp. And so the Bible continually uses anthropomorphic language, language that uses human terminology and concepts for us to be able to get a vision of, of who God is. Now we just have two, two main points to go over for the rest of this sermon. Very basic, very basic. First point, God keeps watch on the evil. Second point, God keeps watch on the good. So first, God keeps watch on the evil. Again, God is gazing intently into the affairs of the nations, into the minds of wicked men, as it were. Nothing escapes him. The world with all of their conspiracies to gain power and control. Satan and his demons with all of their attempts to orchestrate the destruction of the church. None of it is unknown to the mind of God. He knows all. 
And he knows how to deal with it. All the plans and purposes of evil men and women and all the spiritual hosts of wickedness, all their plans and attempts to execute them fall perfectly into God's will and purpose. They cannot escape ultimately being pawns of the mighty God. Martin Luther talked about Satan being God's puppet in so many words. Satan himself cannot escape the purposes of God for him. The plans of all the militaries of the nations, the movements of the secret agents of each government's spy networks, all of the attempts at espionage and usurping one another, it is all known by God beforehand. He sees it all happening and it all plays fully and completely into his ultimate plan. And though we are horrified, we are horrified at events such as though we are reading about happening in Myanmar and Afghanistan to many of our brothers and sisters who are suffering, North Korea, though the wind is continually knocked out of us as legislation after legislation passes in our own country, it is all seen and known by God and he is keeping watch over it all so that nothing can happen outside of his predetermined purpose and foreknowledge. God is keeping watch. The gates of hell will never pre prevail against the church. Amen. Darkness may cover the lands. Hardships may be experienced. They will be experienced, actually. But the hand of God lays on the helm of history so that nothing can escape the purposes of his decree to bring him glory and to save his people from their sins. The church will continue to be built until the end of time. And should the devil and the world become a serious threat to the utter eradication of God's people and the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world, then that will be the time when the Son of God returns to earth and puts an end to the kingdom of darkness. And then the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Indeed, part of the way God watches over the evil is to keep them in check. God keeps the evil in check. He keeps the wicked in check. It may seem that they're given a very long leash at times, right? Can you imagine being a Christian in Nazi Germany during World War II? And yet the saints living under that regime took comfort in knowing that nothing could happen that God was not ultimately purposing for their good and for the good of the gospel. Now is the time to be confident in God's faithfulness and goodness in his sovereign control and in his check of the wicked. Legislation is one thing. Imprisonment or worse is another but each circumstance God's people might face doesn't change the faithfulness of God and the truth and reality that no matter how much the wicked are permitted to wreak havoc, they are still held in check by God. You can read countless stories of those who have been persecuted or imprisoned throughout history and read over and over and over again of how 
God restrained the hands of those who were arrayed against them or blinded their eyes not to be able to see the Bible in their hands or in their house or to let them pass by the checkpoint or what have you. Unbelievers have harbored the righteous in times of distress and sheltered them from the searching eyes of the evil regime seeking to destroy the church. God turns the hearts of kings like the river of water. He uses the wicked to fulfill his purposes and he watches over the actions of the evil rulers and authorities to fulfill his plan for the world and for his church. And the world, the world goes up and down throughout history. We saw the collapse of the Soviet Union in the late 1980s. We saw God holding in check throughout the Cold War what could have been a nuclear disaster throughout the world. God kept back Muslim invaders from Europe proper during the time of the Reformation, allowing the gospel to prosper, to be studied, and to be promoted. God arranged the Roman Empire to hold in check lawlessness and anarchy so that the gospel could begin to be propagated throughout the known world with speed and success during the times of the apostles and the early church. He has protected America from destruction by our enemies for hundreds of years. And we don't want to take that for granted. He has overthrown wicked rulers in different parts of the world throughout history. Removed those in authority over and over again. He has stopped the advance of the tide of evil in so many places, at so many moments in history. And this world remains a wicked and perverse generation to be sure. But God still holds the evil in check. And when God's people see that evil intentions and evil plans are being fulfilled in the world and that the poor and the weak and the people of God are being oppressed, we are to cry out to our Heavenly Father to keep the evil in check. For the Lord watches over the evil, just as the children of Israel groaned under their oppression in Egypt. And the Lord heard their groans and saw their oppression, so too in our day. The church should groan in prayer to our great God who sees all, who knows all. To cry out to him to deliver his people from unrighteousness and to set the world free from evil. Is that not a regular part of your prayer life? For God to stop evil and unrighteousness, to keep sin in check, and to cry out, Maranatha, O Lord, come. To cry out, how long, O oh Lord? If that's not a regular part of your prayer life, I think you've been living in a dream world, numb to the realities of life in this wicked world. Cry out to your God who is watching over the evil. God sees all. He knows all. And he's also watching over the evil, not only to keep them in check, but to record their deeds for judgment. He watches over the evil to record their deeds for judgment. The, uh, the Bible uh, in the Old Testament often talks about the, the iniquity of the nations not yet being full in some places. The idea is that God holds off his judgment until the iniquity of a people is full. It's this idea that God is recording, as it were, their deeds of wickedness, taking note 
of their debaucheries and their conspiracies. And he's watching over it all. He's recording it all in order to, at the appointed time, to judge. Romans chapter 2, verse 16 says, There is a day coming when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, whether good or bad. We read in Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, this is, this is a terrifying notion for the unrighteous. He's, Daniel says there, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. Now, interestingly, we read in Ezekiel of the wheels of God's throne being covered with what? Eyes. Our text in Proverbs, speaking of the eyes of God searching everywhere, goes on. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and what? The books were opened. The books were opened. You know what the idea of the court and the open books convey. All of man's deeds and thoughts are recorded. And he will have to give a reckoning for them on the day of judgment to the ancient of days. God's eyes observe every evil deed. And they are recorded in the mind of God, written down as it were. And somehow they will be laid open in the court of heaven and every mouth will be stopped. There will be no ability for them to offer an excuse for God's eye sees the utter truth. They will not be able to say they didn't know for all of creation declares the glory of God. They will not be able to say the devil made them do it because they love their sin and refuse to repent. The books will be open. It's a terrifying thought. It's terrifying. And if you've been running from God, know that he is watching over your every thought and deed and it is all recorded in the mind of God. The bare truth of the matter, the truth of your motives. Even though you might have deceived yourself into thinking God is okay with you or that you couldn't help yourself or that you had a rough childhood so you're excused, God sees the bare utter truth of your sin and your willingness to sin. The covetous heart of man is evil through and through and God is watching with intensity and he's recording it all. And one day if you don't run to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and turn from a life of living for sin and for self and throw yourself on the mercy of Jesus Christ, death on the cross for sinners, then one day your, your iniquity will reach its fullness. And for all of us, our iniquity is a stinking high stack of filth reaching to heaven. And if you don't run to Christ one day, you will be called to judgment. We don't preach this to see anyone condemned. If you're not a Christian this morning, we preach this out of love 
for your soul. Love for your soul. We preach this as someone himself who has stacked sins high to heaven and found mercy and forgiveness in Jesus. And the joys of fellowship with the living God, despite who we are. We deserve hell just as much as anyone here. Maybe probably more than people here. But it is in Christ alone that we can find our sins blotted out of the books with his blood. Only in Christ can our sins be removed from the mind of God as far as the east is from the west. Only in Christ can we be given righteousness and holiness in order to lay hold on eternal life. God is watching over the evil. And there's no hope for the wicked apart from Jesus Christ. Run to him. Run to Jesus. Many here, by the grace of God, have already done that. None of us have the least regrets from doing so. If only everyone here knew the wholeness, the joy, the peace. Come to Jesus Christ and live, my friend. So God watches over the evil. He keeps them in check. He is recording their wicked deeds for the day of judgment. But he also watches over the good. God watches over the righteous. Excuse me. Again, the idea of watching here is an intense focus. It's, it's an all-knowing, piercing involvement. God, God is watching you, Christian. God is not unaware of your struggles, your weaknesses, your desires, your pains, your sufferings. No, God is intimately acquainted with you, your history, your future. He sees into your person and your soul and your mind, and he knows you better than you know yourself. God is looking out for his people. He's on the watchtower, searching to and fro. He watches in order to protect his people. He can see every danger that is threatening. He sees every possible scenario. He knows where every choice will lead to. And as the good shepherd of our souls, he watches over us and protects us from harm to our souls. The Spirit of God convicts us and he puts a check in our heart and he grants us repentance when we are seeking out the wrong paths. And God steers us through life, always watching over us, always keeping us. And when we kick against the goads, when we buck his guidance, when we go down the paths of sin, as our loving Father watching out for our souls, he chastises us. He will discipline us. The chastisement of the Lord is a wonderful grace, a precious mercy given to us because we're his children. Those who are Christ will never be allowed to stray beyond where correction can bring them back to the fold. It's amazing. But God protects us not just in the spiritual sense, but he protects us physically in so many amazing ways each and every day. The Bible says in the Psalms that God gives escapes from death. We don't even understand how many times we have escaped death each and every day. God watches over the provision of our needs 
for food and shelter. He looks out for dangers from people who want to cause us harm. He protects us on the freeways and at the beach, playing in the waves as we play sports, whatever it is. God is watching over the good, over his people. And we know that God does allow us to experience afflictions. If you've been alive for five minutes, you know that. Sometimes bones are broken on the playing field. Sometimes there is a car accident. Sometimes our loved ones die before we think they should. But the Lord is watching over all of those things with a protective intensity as well. He has complete control over what angle the car is hit at. He's in complete control. People or circumstances that cause affliction are allowed to go so far and no further by God. The pain is only allowed to go to such a level and no further. The disease is overseen by the protective eye of God at all all times. Johnny Erickson Tata was paralyzed for life from the neck down in a diving accident when she was a teenager. I'm sure many of you are familiar with her. Was God protecting her then? Watching over her then? I think if you would ask Johnny that now, she would be able to tell you that the amazing ways God was looking over her during that accident and ever since then. For one thing, if her sister hadn't gone to see what was the matter, Johnny would have drowned. But often throughout history, dark, dark providences surround God's people. The Lord has never promised that living as his people in this world would be a life in the sunshine. Yet he has promised he is watching over us. Millions of Chinese Christians at this moment worship Underground. North Korean believers are reading scraps of scripture verses in concentration camps. The Lord is watching over all of these precious brothers and sisters. God protects us in the midst of our trials and in the midst of our adversity. A protection from God outside of troubles and tribulations would mean we would already be glorified. And yet we know we are called to journey through the wilderness of this life. God protects his people and he provides for them. God watches over his people to bring them blessing, giving us employment, giving us peace, giving us access to goods and services, giving us access to medical technology. I remember coming home from the mission field and going into the grocery store, into the cereal section and breaking down crying. Because there was just so many choices. I, I mean, Captain Crunch was amazing. You guys like Captain Crunch, you young people? It's a great cereal. He gives us access to all these things. And we have so many blessings in America even still, even though things are dark around us at times. But there is a way where God is watching the good, which we might, think not, we might not think about this in this way that much. A, God, a way where God is watching over the good, watching over the Christian. A way the eyes of the Lord are gazing at his children. This is the sense of God being pleased with his child. God being pleased with you. God looks at the believer who is repenting, who is seeking to walk by faith, who is forsaking the ways of the world, 
who is hungering and thirsting for righteousness, who is hating their sin, who is looking for ways to do good to God's people, to do good to the poor, to do good to the fatherless and the widow. And God looks on these people with pleasure and delight. He sees their desires for him. He sees their longing to be like him. And he sees them seeking to sit at the feet of Jesus. And the Lord loves to gaze upon that child of God. And yes, we know that God looks on the Christian man or woman, boy or girl, as justified in the Lord Jesus Christ because of his shed blood. He sees the believer clothed in the righteousness of his son. And so he's pleased with the Christian because they're redeemed in Christ Jesus. But that's not what we're talking about here. We are here talking about the sweet aroma the believer brings to the nostrils of God because of their spiritual sacrifices. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 has that sense about it when it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You see, there is a degree we can please the Lord by our sacrifices of love and service and good works in this life. The Bible speaks of a righteousness that is not, is not the sinless righteousness we gain through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but a righteousness of living for the Lord with, with a closeness to his ways, keeping short accounts with him, pleasing him by our good deeds done in his name. Luke chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Now, do you think Zechariah and Elizabeth were sinless? Of course not. It wasn't a sinless blamelessness. But they lived righteous lives that pleased God. Now, it was only the grace of God that gave them the ability to live that way. It was just it was pure grace. But nevertheless, the eyes of the Lord searched and saw that Zacharias and Elizabeth continually lived in a way that was pleasing to him. Yes, God chose Elizabeth to be the mother of John the Baptist. Yes, God had ordained that before the foundation of the world. But at the same time, mysteriously, God blessed this couple because he was watching them and he was pleased by their lives. Same thing could be said of Mary. The angel said to her, rejoice, what? Highly favored one. She was favored by God to be the mother of the Messiah, not by her own merits. It was all grace. And yet, the grace of God had given her the blessing to live in such a way that she, as it were, caught the eye of God's favor. It is indeed a mystery how we can please God with the aroma of our good deeds when those good deeds were prepared by him before the foundation of the world for us to walk in, as we read in Ephesians. But I don't want us to get hung up on the mystery here. The point is, God is watching you, Christian. He's watching you. You're not worthy of his favor. 
We, we deserve his judgment. And yet he is pleased with our efforts to live for him, to love our neighbor as ourselves. He takes notice of your financial sacrifices for the kingdom of God. God is watching you when you seek out the weak and the lonely saint to encourage and uplift them. God is watching you as you labor for your family, as you sacrifice to support the mission field, as you stand for righteousness in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in the midst of your workplace. He watches over the good. We we can indeed quench the spirit. That's for sure. If we're unthankful and have bitter attitudes, if we fail to take the means of grace seriously, when we don't treat God's word as precious and holy and take advantage of the fact that we actually have a copy of God's holy word, the complete canon of God's word, when we fail to pray, Revelation talks about the prayer of the saints rising with incense before God's throne. There's again that idea of the aroma, the pleasing aroma. That's our prayers. Our prayers please the Lord. When we don't pray, the Lord can choose to not draw near to us. For the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What we're saying is that there are some Christians who are missing out on an intimate fellowship with Christ because so often they are walking in a direction that is grieving to his spirit. Yes, we all sin every day. Yes, we all sin every day. But we are to, at the same time, live holy lives. And Zacharias and Elizabeth were called blameless. They broke God's law every day, I assure you. They were sinners, but they kept short accounts with Christ. They drew near to him. They studied his word and sought to love God with all their heart. Stop quenching the spirit if you've been doing that with the way you talk, with what you look at on the internet, with what you listen to, with how you dress, with what you spend your money on. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to the Lord. Draw near to God. He is watching over the good. Let me quote 2 Chronicles 16.9, which we referred to a few times. You know this very famous verse. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God sees those who are pleasing to him and he delights to show himself strong on behalf of those people who are living their lives for his glory. Seek to be pleasing to God. Cling to him and in his word in loyalty and faithfulness. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God watches over the evil and the good. and He is steering all, both the unrighteous and the righteous, in such a way as to bring a harvest of souls into his kingdom and to see that the gospel of his son is proclaimed throughout the world. No one can ultimately escape what God has decreed. All of the evil in this world is going to serve to bring about good for God's people. I don't understand all the ways it will. I I don't get it. But it's going to. It's going to. 
If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all things will work together for good for you. That's a promise from the God who cannot lie. Because you've already been called according to God's purpose. But for those who might be running from God today, though you might exult in your freedom to sin and to do what you want and you think God hasn't been able to stop you, know that he sees it all. He is recording it all and one day his patience will be at an end. And you will be called to give an account for your life. The wicked will not be able to stand on the day of judgment. Bow the knee to Jesus Christ today. Today. And be saved from an eternity of unbelievable misery. God is seeking out the sinner to save today. Don't refuse his command to believe on his son. He is our only hope in life and in death. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are a God who uh, nothing escapes you, nothing takes you by surprise. You have purposed before the foundation of the world to complete the work you started in your children. Many of us here this morning have known a peace that passes all understanding in our soul, a, a sweet forgiveness and mercy as you give us the grace to repent. Though we still sin each and every day, you you give us a desire for your ways and your commandments and a love for fellowship with you. And we, we worship you for setting our feet on that rock of Christ and giving us a heart of flesh that, that wants to know you. And we pray, oh God, that each and every single person in this room would ultimately know you in a saving way and enjoy you forever and ever. We ask these things for Christ's sake. Amen.